Does the audio sound okay for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds good. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Isolation Conversations. With Ben. And Jen. Putting the Q&A in quarantine. Today, we have a very famous guest in the veterinary science department. Uh, guys, from Cone of Shame, please put your hands together for Dr. Andy! Hey! <gasps> Wow, thank you. Wow. Yeah. You have such a huge audience. They're they're very far away from the microphone. Yes, everyone is. We have an audience of 100, and they are all standing six feet apart. Uh, It's a very large baseball stadium we're in. Uh, Cool. Famous people. We've yet to have a veterinary science famous person. So so this is a real good. Yeah. I'm I'm excited about uh, all of the different levels of fame that we we reach on this podcast. But Dr. Andy Rorick, please tell us in your own words who you are. Um, I am a veterinarian in South Carolina. I um, I do a bunch of different things. I have the best job in the world. So I still see cases. Um, you know, I'm in the clinic a couple of days a week. I also own two conferences for veterinarians. So they're like um, communication conference, business conferences, like how to um, how to make your hospital stay in business and things like that, and then I do um, I do a bunch of writing. I am a professional speaker. I've got a bunch of stuff on social media. I've got two podcasts. One of them is for uh, business, like veterinary business stuff, and then one of them is for uh, medicine stuff and uh, how to take better care of pets. And this is for like other doctors and nurses and people like that. That's great. Nice. Yeah. You're also a father. I am. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I um <laughs> less less interesting to the audience. Maybe maybe not. I don't know. I have uh, I have I am married to a badass college professor who works at uh, Furman University, and she is amazing and brilliant and much smarter than me. And I have uh, two daughters uh, that are wonderful little people that I am getting to spend a lot of time with. And uh, I am also taking over uh, as, a, as a homeschool teacher. So that's another thing that I do. Wow. <laughs> right. so, yeah. So that's all that's that a, stuff. That's a perfect segue into uh, the second the second question. Uh, how has your daily routine changed with shelter in place and uh, and everything going on? It, for me, it's been complete bonkers. Um, so, yeah, it, it's I it was where where to begin. I actually got super frustrated um, a week or so ago and wrote to an email to my kid's teacher. And it was one of those kind of weird emails that you write where it's like, I don't expect you to fix this problem, but I just need to be heard. <laughs> and so yeah. I wrote to her. And, and essentially what I said was, is listen, you know, um, the, the recommendations or what they're trying to do right now in our schools is each kid, I have two kids, so sixth grade and third grade. And each kid is supposed to have 3.5 hours of work per day. And my third grader, like, has not been good about doing work on her own. She has lots of questions. She, I think a lot of it is she just wants to be with uh, someone. You know what I mean? Like have some kind of external structure, which I totally understand. Yeah. And so my, my wife is switching from teaching in class to virtual. And so mm-hmm. her stuff is completely different. How do you teach biology uh, virtually? How do you teach lab classes virtual oh, she is man. literally figuring out how to teach lab courses 
online and you go, they don't have, they don't have the equipment. They don't have the specimens. They don't have any of the stuff. So a lot of it is like finding videos, creating videos, generating data sets for them to analyze. And, and she, God bless her, she really wants to do a great job. So she's not phoning this in. She's really trying to make stuff online that is like how you would use online to learn, not just like, let's take what we do in person and just film it and just slap it on the internet. Like she's trying to make something that's interactive. And so it's, it's taking exponentially more time than her just going to the class and showing people the stuff is it video editing and all stuff. So, so my wife is more stressed than ever. And she's also on this like faculty council. And so she's the one who's trying to figure out like, guys, what are we doing here? Like, are we going to do student evaluations at the end of the year? Are they going to count uh, for people's tenure or against people's tenure? And, you know, um, the administration is saying like, oh, you can't use your grant money anymore. We're putting a hold on that. And oh, so man. how, like, how do you keep going? And she's not allowed to go to the building anymore, but she has uh, animals. And so granted, they are anemones. So they are invertebrate little, you know, they literally are brainless. They don't have a brain. Um, but they, they, these are you know, animals that don't require a ton of maintenance, but she's had to jump through all kinds of hoops just to be able to go in and take care of her specimens and like, just keep them alive. And this is eight years worth of work. And so like that level of stress on my wife is huge. And then we've got the school stuff and, you know, um, and the kids are, are here and so, and they require management and they're wonderful. And I just, there's something hard about just being like, I'm just going to ignore my children while they're here in the house with me. Like, it's just, it didn't, yeah. it didn't feel right. You know, even if you could, and then my, my younger daughter's got, got homework stuff and questions. And, and so for me, um, I've kind of got this weird thing because I still have the same clinical commitments that I've had because we are essential personnel. And so I'm still going to work. And, uh, and honestly, it's crazy. I mean, we are slammed at work. And so this is not hanging really? out at work. Oh yeah, I, we can talk more about that in a second. And the last thing was that I have I have one of my conferences, and this is like a big thing for for me for the year. And this is my pride and joy as I plan these really cool, intimate conferences. And we have about 120 people, and we really do like active learning and small group stuff. And you can just hear me geeking out about it. Like I love it so much. And guys, <laughs> it was scheduled to go down on April 20th. Oh geez, here in Greenville, oh. South Carolina, and so. You know, we had closed registration, like all the money was in, all the stuff was ordered, the restaurants were booked, the catering was booked, the hotel was booked, all that sort of stuff. And then this starts, this starts happening. And then there's travel advisories. And this is just sort of just getting started. And people are going, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to keep doing this? And, and man, that was a level of stress and pressure that I've never had. I don't think in my life have I ever yeah. been like, holy crap. I mean, we've got a six-figure event. And the money is here. And all of a sudden, it's every day is scarier than the day before. And, and, and you start to say, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to give people their money back? Well, we spent a good chunk of their money. Like it's, you know, it, it was it was already spent in developing the website and running registration and paying the staff and, and, and ordering the stuff. And like, and you've still got these hotel contracts at the beginning where they're like, oh, no, unless, you know, the government requires it you're locked in. You owe us the money for this catering and you owe us the money for these hotels. And granted that all went, that all went away, but right. boy, yeah, before it did go away, yeah, it's a lot of sleepless nights. And so anyway, that's, that's a, a hodgepodge of different stresses, but 
yeah, that's that's kind of what what our day was like and how it was affecting us. So, what when you're at the veterinary veterinary clinic, like, what do those days look like? Are people freaking out because they're spending all day with their pet and it's making a weird sound, or is it you know a lot of? <laughs> you uh, know how pets work. Yeah, <laughs> I have a cat. Oh, I get those. I, we like, totally get weird sounds. <laughs> well, so I figured, figured pets are like cars, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah. Uh, the blinker won't work. Uh, yeah. It keeps dripping yeah, it oil. Never signals when it turns. Well, I, so I have, I, have a couple, I have a couple of theories. So the, the first thing that I'll say is that one of my general rules is the more time people spend with their pets, the more likely their pets are to need emergency medical care. And like that happens every summer. There's a huge spike at the vet clinic. And it's because people, you know, during the regular workday, the pet is at home safe by itself. And only when people are around, are they going in and out of the house and allowing the opportunity for the dog to run out into the street? You know what I mean? Uh, or, um, yeah. or they're going to the lake and, um, doing whatever, or they're cooking on the grill and not paying attention to the half pound of raw steak, uh, that they left out and the dog eats. And now the dog has got salmonella, you know, like, yeah, I, mean, I can tell you one of the few times I've had to take my cat to the vet was because we were, we were playing with some toy and then she either walked in or we had like put one of her toys in the back of it. And it was like, ah, look, she's chasing the, chasing the car or whatever. But then just like out of nowhere, she got freaked out by it. Mm-hmm. And she jumped up and then spiral fractured her leg. Oh my gosh. Oh, no. Which is like hard for a yeah. cat to do. But, but uh, yeah, so it, I, I totally get that of like just more interaction with the, the person is going to cause just these like this random dice roll of, of issues. Yeah. And you're exactly, I say it as a joke, but it's true. I mean, just basic probability and interaction of there's so many more factors that come into play that could be dangerous for the pet. Uh, there's so many more factors that make life fun for the pet too. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but generally on the weekends and on the summers, we tend to see more emergencies than we do nine to five, Monday through Friday. And so I do think that that's part of it. There's um, There's a really interesting snapshot in time aspect too. So um, with the conference that I run, we have this sort of online community that goes with it. And so I'm in contact with all these other veterinary clinics across the country. And so let me tell you about kind of my experience, but then also like what happens, what has happened across the country. Okay. So on the West coast where this happens, so practices in California and Washington. So they, they were affected first. And so they're what like happened? They're like two weeks ahead, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They're like two to three weeks ahead. Yeah, they, they uh, definitely from us in South Carolina. We are we are like dead last in the progression of this. There was an article that came out two days ago in the New York Times that showed that our county, Greenville County, is the number one county over five hundred thousand people in the United States as far as ignoring COVID concern and moving about, like traveling. So it's based on cell phone data and how much people are getting out and moving around. So in our area we are probably the worst in the country as far as larger counties for people just continuing on with their day. Um, On the West Coast, they're not messing around anymore. So what we found that happens in veterinary medicine at least, and this is really fascinating, is when COVID sort of first started out, um, people got a lot of free time, but they weren't freaked out. And so we started to see a lot more people coming into the vet clinic. And so people will come in and they'll be like... um, you know, I've been putting off getting these vaccines forever and now oh, yeah. school is out. Mm-hmm. And so I have time to do it. Or they're like, 
a lot of times people are like, um, I've got these kids and they're going bonkers and I just can't stand being inside with them anymore. The vet is an f- interesting thing to do. And so I'm going to bring the kids to the vet and then that will be something that will entertain the kids and then also get this thing done. And so oh my gosh. the volume of stuff like goes, and that includes like grooming. Like the groomers get really busy because busy, again, same thing. People are like, hey, I'm out of work. I got some time. I'm going to get this thing done. And so everything gets really busy. And then what happens is something in a community will happen. And it'll either be like a shelter in place order or, um, or there'll be a, a, a local announcement that like the hospital is full or, you know what I mean? Or there's no more uh, ventilators or things like that. And all of a sudden people like it will flip a switch in the mind of the community as a whole and overnight everyone stops coming. Oh, so I saw we've that, seen my, that again my and again. Yeah. Just one day you get up and all the appointments cancel. Like, Yep. My family has a group chat and it's just like seeing my dad realize, Oh, this isn't a joke. This is like a real thing. It's like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, what, what probably <laughs> happens is the same day that your dad realized this was a real thing, a huge swath of people around him for like whatever made him have that realization was probably hitting other people at roughly the same time, you know? And so then you just see this huge fall in business and, but we're essential. So the clinics are going to, are, are sort of staying open. And now we get into this really weird place of like, how do you manage this, right? And so you've got, vets are, vet clinics are interesting in that they're a small business. So they're not government supported in any way, shape, or form if they're, they're either a corporation um, or m- the majority of clinics are mom and pop small businesses. Like one of the doctors owns this hospital, right? And so all of a sudden half the business goes away. And they're trying to sort of stay open and then you've got this weird ethical, logistical thing that shapes up and you go, I don't want to lay people off, right? Like, I, I don't want to do that. Like, I care about these people, um, but we they're standing around and like, we don't have the cases to see them. And the other thing is you're like, oh man, if one of our people gets sick, if one of our people tests positive for COVID, we are supposed to quarantine everyone who has worked with that person in the last like week or two. And so if you've got a, a vet hospital and you have 12 employees and they all kind of work together, man, if, if one of them gets sick, then you shut down your hospital for a solid two weeks. Like you're like essentially out of, out of business. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and that's really scary. So now you're seeing all these kind of weird things of like, how do we split people up and keep them separate, but still let them work in the same small space. And so we've got vet clinics that are like, they let people work four days on and four days off so that you can kind of do a deep clean in between the shifts. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the idea is if someone gets sick, then you just lose half of your staff, which means now you have half of your staff to try to keep your clinic going. And so there's a lot of that kind of balancing and juggling and stuff like that. Yeah. That, yeah that, and everything has to be, so you're kind of shooting from the hip when it comes to redesigning your business plans. Totally. And work schedules and things that have worked for years, you're having to to adjust so quickly. I know that Basil, so um, she goes to doggy daycare once a week mm-hmm. uh, or the dog park quite a few times. And she's going insane because she has not been able to play with other dogs. Even though we're home all the time, we're taking on walks. It's not the same as socialization. Right. And we get these notices once or twice a week from the doggy daycare that's half off your stay and please bring your dogs in because they're everyone's home. So nobody needs to take their dog there. Oh, sure. So, so yeah, or they're, or they're worried about it. So yeah, some of the economic implications, um, 
the boarders, the people like boarding kennels, boarding facilities, those guys are getting killed because nobody's traveling. And so all of a sudden you've got this boarding facility and there's no dogs in it or no cats in it, you know? And the same thing with dog daycare and same thing uh, once sort of the reality hits like grooming and things like that, all that stuff shuts down. And so that, that's been a big pain for the animal, sort of the animal uh, healthcare in, industry. We are taking Basil into the vet. She had a pre-made appointment on the 11th, and they have sent us six emails to make sure that we're still coming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's um, people I, People change their mind or they back out, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's just interesting. One of the things that's, that's really sort of that's sort of m- most irritating, right, is you've got um, essentially at this point you've got three different kinds of like veterinarians out there, right? So you've got veterinarians that take this real seriously and they will not let pet owners come into their building. Like everything is done outside. Uh, They'll have a sign outside that will say, call us when you arrive. Um, Or or they'll um, have someone in the parking lot kind of like directing traffic and, you know, and, and checking them in mobily and things like that. And then there were, they're wearing PPE, which is the personal protective equipment. You know, they got the mask and the gloves and, and then they're uh, getting pets and they're bringing them into the building. So like, that's how my day to day has changed is, uh, there's actually this joke in, <laughs> it's a veterinarian meme. And it was like veterinarian achieves lifelong dream of seeing pets while owners wait in the parking lot. And it's like, <laughs> like for, for, for a lot of us, you're like, this is great. Like we're never going back. We're just going to, we're, it's going to keep the humans in the parking lot. Yeah, it's going to leave that out of abundance of caution sign up. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. Always. So, um, for life. so there's, so there, there's vet clinics like that that are taking this really seriously. There are vet clinics that are like, um, they are serious about limiting what they do. And so a lot of vets are getting the directive from the state of like, you can only do essential procedures. And what you're supposed to do is only do the bare minimum, like emergency procedures that you um, that you need to, and then give all of your gloves and masks and everything to the hospitals. So oh, wow! Give your stuff up, and <sighs> so that so that human healthcare can have those reserves which they need for human lives. Which, like, I, I think we get it. You know what I mean? We all we all get yeah. it. And so you've got some people who are being really aggressive and they're really protecting their staff very well and they're going to great lengths and it slows everything way down. And there's, you know, and they're seeing many fewer appointments and then they're also turning away most of their stuff. And so those people, God bless them. And then there's the second type of vet who's like middle of the road, who's like, you know what, we're trying to be safe, but we're kind of going on and it's kind of business as usual, but we're taking precautions and kind of gearing down a bit. And we're still not letting pet owners come into the building, but we're not really changing what we do or what we offer and stuff like that. And those, there's some middle of the road. And then the last part is the people who have their head in the sand who are just running wide open business as usual. And those people are infuriating to especially the first group who's doing everything they can because they're blowing through gloves and things like that. And uh, that, that third group is then just trying to capitalize on the business that the other two groups are losing. Exactly. And so when people say, why, why can't you do this thing for my pet? The place down the road said I could just come right in. Like to a small business owner, that is a dagger in the heart. 
Yeah. And so there's very much this emotional turmoil and you're seeing a lot of frustration. Um, it's quietly, you know, it's kind of the behind the curtain sort of frustration, but yeah, there's a lot of frustration. The other thing is that pet owners, when you go to a hospital and they say, Oh, we're taking all of these precautions and, and we can't see you for this, or we can only do that, or it's going to take this amount of time. And, uh, no, you definitely cannot come into the building. And then the guy literally across the street is like, come on in, everything is fine. It undermines the first person who's really trying to do right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that, that's, that's, and there's no, there's no real regulation of that, at least in our state. And so you're seeing that, that sort of conflict everywhere of people who are trying to do what's best and people who are kind of head in the sand. Um, and they're just, they're just, they're just clashing kind of more and more. Yeah. Oof. The world of veterinary science. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cutthroat. Uh, lots of drama. This level well, of insight into a, like a, a, a kind of microcosm that a lot of our listeners may not know as much about or may only like tangentially know about. Um, yeah, that's, that's good insight. And I'm sure it's the same with all of these. Not the same, but it's it's very similar with like to-go restaurants. It's got oh, yeah. uh, Things like that. Like, come on in and pick up your food versus call us and wait at the door. Um, all of these different, uh, there's, there's no, there's no right or wrong. I mean, there's definitely a wrong way. There's a more right way, but there's no legal right or wrong way. So like I said, there's no state regulation, you know, Um, uh, there are certain state regulations. Like I know in Georgia, you can have, you know, certain things delivered that you can't have delivered here in Alaska. Um, namely beer, right? Like you can't have uh, uh, some, some states, some states have really opened it up and other states have not. Now uh, that Ben can't have beer, Ben wants beer all the time. Yeah. It's, it's like, I would, I just want one beer. Like I don't want a lot. <laughs> I just want one. Will you be able to get it once you get to the North slope? No, you definitely can't drink up there. So it'll be, it'll be sometime late April. That's fine. I'm not, it sounds like, it sounds like an alcoholic. The more I bring it up, I was trying so hard to like talk around it. And I was like, no, now it sounds like I'm talking about legal weed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man yeah. uh, it's, it's got to be that way for like every business right like because they're all in the same sort of boat of we're a small business we want we don't want to fire people like we want to keep we want to keep people and pay people and you it's know not, we, it's not just people it's not just employees you've made relationships with these individuals yes. these yeah. are these are my coworkers but they're more than that they're like my little work family and i want to take care of them but if we don't have a business i can't take care of anybody exactly. yeah, and yeah. it's i well, mean it's it's, we, it's a know. it's a real sophie's choice yeah. we joke with uh, with with the oc about you know that anderson uh that anderson speakeasy where basically a bar turned into a speakeasy because they just you know, pretending they weren't open, but they let people in and they're like, Oh, we're getting one over on the government. And it's like, no, you're, you're like potentially endangering everybody in the building. <laughs> like you're, you're not, you're not doing like a cool, uh, uh Dukes of hazard. You're doing like just a regular hazard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of that, we'll go on. Uh, what hobbies or things are you doing to kind of stay occupied in this is, do you have enough free time or is that even a question? I, I have, um, oh man, my hobbies have actually flourished and it's like, I'm super busy, but I, I have never needed hobbies as much as I do now. Like with the news and the, and the anxiety and the work anxiety and the kid, like if I hadn't 
established some good hobbies um, and stuck to them, I, I you just couldn't make it. You know what I mean? Like the stress would eat me alive. And so mm-hmm. I've um I've done a fairly good job of of still kind of like staying in staying in shape and working out. I always like to sort of exercise and stuff. So I've got the the home gym going and I'm doing that. Um, or, so I I love. So this is, sounds bad. Uh, a lot of people are gonna draw conclusions about me immediately, but but hang in there. Um, so I, I love CrossFit. So I've, I've been going to CrossFit for like a year and a half and I love it. And it's like this thing that I, I just look forward to and I love the people there. And so of course all the gyms got shut down. So there's no gym. So now we're doing CrossFit online, which is not the same and, um, <laughs> not at all. And so it's all body weight stuff of like pushups and stuff. And it's just, it's hard to get motivated, but, um, but that, that's, I miss my gym a lot. So that's been tough. The yeah. things that I have picked up, uh, you know, still do some gardening and stuff like that. Just like that. But the two big things that have really blown up are super nerdy. And I will just own the fact that I know how nerdy these things are. But hell yeah. Things, hell yeah. I mean, I'm just going to own it. I am painting by numbers like a champion. Um, oh, Michael yeah. sent me this thing about paint by numbers and I was so excited and I waited to get all of the boys in the house and like got online to pick out the ones we wanted and they were all sold out in like no an way. hour. Oh, I'm man. so upset. Oh, I found one. Again, this was like I just started right before the pandemic just you know on accident. And, and someone, I don't know why, I saw somebody online and they were like, this is what I do for veg out time. And it just clicked with me for some reason. And I was like, you know what? That might be fun. And so I ordered the thing for 15 bucks. And if you've never done like adult paint by numbers, they're not messing around. Like this thing is like a poster when it comes. And it's a classic work of art. And it's got literally thousands of little, you know, shapes that have little numbers in them. And man, I've put 20 or 30 hours into this thing and it's, it's like 70% done. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm not a fast painter, but that's not the point either. So, right. um, I have been painting by numbers and just, I, like I just sit down and I just start coloring the little bubbles and then 90 minutes has gone past and I'm completely relaxed. And I, I am so jealous of you. Uh, right now, I'm so jealous. Oh well, it's, I, it may be it may be like in Seinfeld when Elaine uh, has never been in first class, so she doesn't know what she's missing. It may be like that too, like because when I finish this, if, if there's no more paint by numbers, I'm gonna I'm gonna have with like I'm gonna have withdrawal. Like, I don't know. Is it better to have loved than lost than to have <laughs> never loved at all? I don't know. Well, I have paint by number envy because. I mean, Michael's got me and I like, I, I didn't, I had it in my cart and I'm like, I want to check with the boys. Ah, I should have just bought mistake. it and been selfish. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You nobody can have fun. So what's your second nerdy hobby, Andy? I started playing Dungeons and Dragons with my kid. <laughs> yeah. My brother gave me the essentials kit for Christmas uh, because we both listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, we had stumbled onto this podcast called The Adventure Zone, which is um, yeah, some brothers. funny guys playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I just really enjoyed it. Having never played or anything like that, I really enjoyed it. So my brother got me the essentials kit. And my kids are eight, uh, are 8 and 11. And so I said, you know, maybe they're old enough to try this. And we cracked the essentials kit open and started playing. 
and they really liked it, and I really liked it. And I is the first thing in my life that I've really found where I am like, all three of us are equally geeked about doing this thing. That's awesome. And yeah, and so it's really like my wife. We played with this one time. Not into it. Um, she's like a very much like get stuff done person. And uh-huh. Dungeons and Dragons is not about getting stuff done. Like you don't. Yeah, like how no, do you win? <laughs> yeah exactly. You don't win. It goes nowhere. Um, that you 100% enjoy the process of deciding what you're going to order at an imaginary bar or, <laughs> or or you just don't play because that's it. Like that's the whole thing. So, um, so yeah. So my wife didn't want to play, but my kids and I play. 90 minutes probably every other day and it's like a 90 minute thing and so at this point well we use zoom and my kids friends play and i run this game now for for yep for four little girls um through zoom and they like it's funny i get texts from 12 year olds being like can we play today mr rourke and uh (laughs) yeah and so it's great because I've got like I've got the little books and I just read ahead a little bit and then I do this thing and man they're all they're just all into it and so I, I, I that's say, been super so dorky also, but also super fun. So I also started playing uh, with my with my son uh, just because he loves uh, like telling stories and stuff and the the one thing that I find uh, frustrating but also like kind of like pleasant about Dungeons and Dragons is they'll put out something that's like. Here is the bare bones basics of Dungeons and Dragons. And the thing is like 140 pages. Yeah. Like yeah. they Dungeons and Dragons is made entirely by people who are like, like, let me tell you a short story. And then it's six days later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's amazing how serious some people take it. And like, so like they have developed these rules that go to the greatest like minutia. Like my big thing, especially for Dungeons and Dragons with kids is you were the real skill is to skim through the 35 pages and be like, I get the gist of what happens and then just go make it up on the fly. Yep. No, uh, all all the short, all the things I do with my son are, are short, like little 15 minute things. And he like was really into creating his character and we, you know, we rolled a character and we did stuff. And then basically like every little thing that happens, he just like pushes it. Like you can tell he's trying to do the, if I do this, will it break it? And then I just mm-hmm. have to like, go with it and go, okay, you know, uh, or he will get fixated on a detail and then decide that's part of his character. Like the first interaction, I have a, like a little app on my phone that can like create, you know, like randomized interactions. The first mm-hmm. interaction, uh, one of the, one of the, the monsters to beat was an owl. And so yeah. then it's like built into his backstory that vomit poop, which is the name of his, uh, rogue gnome, uh, <laughs> vomit poop hates birds. And so anytime there's a bird, he's like, I pull out my short bow. And I'm like, no, I say, you don't have to. That's not, I, I, that would totally fly. If I have yeah. like, okay. Yeah. Vomit poop hates birds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm also learning how to play. I've never played before. And I'm playing with a group and everyone in the group knows so much more. And so we had a fight last night and I was just like, can I just give the guy candy? That's all I want to do. They're like, no, Jen, you have to fight. I'm like, I don't want to. I yeah. just want to give him candy. My, uh, char- yeah. fight. My character is, is just a big candy person. Yep. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, the, that's the, about it. Yeah, the, the great part, I can tell you, creatively, that's been really fun. That's like, that has stimulated a lot of writing and things about totally different subjects. But yeah. you just get into the headspace of making things. Yeah. And, um, and I just feel like that sort of stimulates you to make more things. And so, I don't know, we, we picked it up and it's been, it's been really cool. I, and I think also my love of improv comedy really has fed into it because it's challenging to do improv with my kids. Like they're definitely not up for that, but I can give them more structure with something like this. And then we can, we can flex those improv muscles and make characters and make conversations and grab onto things. And you know, like it's just a lot of the stuff I love about improv. I can kind of recreate with my kids because it has more framework. to it. Yeah. That's awesome. What great hobbies. So Andy, what uh, what would take your shelter in place to the next level? Is there anything that's it's in your current setup where you're like, you know what? The one thing that I could use is this. Oh, man. What would take my shelter in place to the next level? Um, you know, we got, got a pretty good thing. I, um, I, ordered, <laughs> I ordered a load of mulch, like a dump truck load, and it came yesterday. And I'm just looking at this load of mulch with like love in my eyes because <laughs> it's, it looks endless. It's going to be yeah. a lot of spreading yeah. mulch, but it's like, it's a purpose, it's a purpose and it gives me reason to be outside. And I, I feel like I'm back to being normal again of like, I got to go move some mulch around. Mm-hmm. And so like that load of mulch means so much to me right now. But yeah, if there was some, um, we've, we've, we've gone pretty hardcore about not eating out. Like we are pretty much a hundred percent preparing meal. Well, not, not, not pretty much. We are a hundred percent preparing meals at home and kind of like your beer thing. I'm like, I could use some fatty restaurant food Oh yeah, because we're eat, we've been Butter eating healthy milk. for three, four weeks now and it's great, but I desperately miss just going out and I, I love sitting at restaurants. Like I just, I love the social aspect. I'm very extroverted. Like, Oh man, I miss a restaurant so much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Our, um, so Friday night is the night that Adam is in charge of dinner. And that's, that's when we get takeout is mm. usually on Friday night. Yeah. Uh, so, and how we we try to end this podcast uh, is is on the on the lighter side of things. What is the unexpected thing, the unexpected upside that brings you joy uh, in all of this trying uh, times that we're going through? What's what's the silver lining? So the silver lining for me has been. Um, with the conference and, and the stuff that I do and sort of that online community, mm-hmm. it has really been terrifying, but also rewarding at a deep level to have veterinarians from like all over the country being like, we don't know what's happening and everything is changing fast. And I just happened to kind of have this platform where they could all come together and communicate in real time. And like, we have these round table discussions a couple of times a week and I'm just, I don't have the answers but I, but I can facilitate a discussion on zoom and just the thank you notes and stuff in the last couple of weeks that have poured in from people saying, I didn't know what I was doing. And then I talked to people who were a week ahead of us and they told us what had worked for them and what hadn't worked for them. 
and we were so much better prepared. Or um, I just panicked when I got this news and then other people had already heard the news and they had come up with a plan and that just reassured me. And so being able to serve as sort of an information hub mm-hmm. on a topic that I didn't ever expect to be an information hub on, that's been the most rewarding thing of like, this is bad, but I genuinely feel like I've had the potential or the opportunity to help other people. And that's been really rewarding. How yeah. lovely. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great to hear. Um, it's, you know, we were talking about uh, on one of the other episodes, it was, it was uh, another improviser and they were talking about, you know, kind of the improv community, you know, kind of specifically being adept to it. But, you know, it is, it is nice to, you know, recognize like, oh yeah, there's tons of, there's tons of what, what improv is for me. There is that for someone else. And maybe it's their career and maybe it's their, maybe it's not, but, you know, hopefully there's enough of these kind of like interwoven networks of people to where everybody is at least, at least being heard, right. At least being like a, kind of recognized for, for we're all going through something. We're all going through some, some element of, of what all's going on. I hope that everybody has found something. I just, I just couldn't imagine being uh, a shelter in place and not having anything. And so uh, that would, that would be my, my big piece of advice is, you know, I've got um, someone sent me a, free trial of the master classes, you know, the online mm-hmm. courses, you know, um, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to get in there and pick one of those and do it. And I just, I don't know. I just, we just had last night was a Friday night and I had like four different social events all online. And yeah. boy, I don't have yeah. four social events on a regular Friday night ever. Like I usually <laughs> right. don't have one and I'm yeah. going, wow. And they're all with different circles of people. So like last night, I dropped into my vet circle, into uh, the comedy circle, into the coaching for improv comedy, and into the happy hour for the gym and saw those people. And I'm going, man, this is this is awesome. I saw a lot of my friends last night. And so yeah. there was there was something really good about that. And so I just yeah, it's we it's talked been, to, been good to uh, we talked to a psychologist a couple of episodes ago and she brought up this really great thing about how these Zoom calls, especially when you are uh, speaking to someone who's not your peer, is very humanizing because you get to see them in their natural space. Oh, interesting. Just that element of like, you can't have face-to-face interaction, but you still get to feel a bit of who that person is just with the background of their call. You know, it's funny, like I, um, in in like the gym phone call yesterday right it was a sort of the happy hour and you see people with their like the sports people have their college football mugs you know what i mean and and the people who are into whatever have you know like you could see their background or the room that they're in and you're right it really was kind of a neat little picture even though you're literally looking through this window into their life you can still see hints about who they are you know yeah well uh, thank you so very much, Dr. Andy Rourke. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. I haven't seen you in in at least a year, but I just I think you're just the best. Oh, thank you so much. I think you're the best. Aww. When you come back through through Greenville, we'll do some comedy together. I'm into yeah. it. 
That'd be great. We'll do some Dungeons and Dragons with my kids, <laughs> and then play, and then do comedy. It'll be great. That's good. Yeah, cool, no, I, uh, um, this has been this has been a real pleasure, and it's it's been such a good insight into, uh, like I said, into some stuff that we we haven't haven't heard from yet. Um, yeah, uh, do you have anything uh, that you uh, want to plug? Uh, uh, any any anything that that people need to know about COVID times or non? Not, I mean, not really. The big. I guess the big things that I would say uh, for COVID stuff, um, well, actually, I would just say if you are interested in veterinary medicine, like if you sat through this whole first part and were like, oh, I've always wondered about veterinarians or I am a big time pet lover and I think that veterinarians are really cool. My Facebook page, you can find Dr. Andy Rourke on Facebook and, um, and we post stuff there all the time. There's lots of articles about what it's really like to be a veterinarian. And if you just think the, the, behind the curtain drama of the veterinarian industry is interesting. Well, you can, you can find it there. So if you found that stuff interesting, <laughs> check out Dr. Andy Rourke on Facebook and, uh, and you can see a bunch of our articles and videos and things like that. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so very much. Uh, and our sign off, if you would like to join, uh, we tell everyone, wash your damn hands. Wash your damn <laughs> hands. <laughs> great, great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bye.